Day Treat with NAZ Elite, a monthly podcast in which I chat with POCA NAZ Elite team members, and you'll get a behind-the-scenes scoop on their training, racing, and everyday lives. I'm your host, Eric Sensman. You can find our monthly podcast on SoundCloud uh, by searching POCA NAZ Elite, and you can learn more about the faces behind the team uh, by visiting their website, nazelite.com, their Facebook page, Northern Arizona Elite, or their Instagram and Twitter, both at NAD underscore elite. In this episode, I welcome NAD Elite's Ben Bruce. Um, I think we had a very interesting conversation about the sport of running as a whole, um, in particular, how the sport can be quite different. Uh, it's just running, but depending on what event you're running, on what surface, uh, the goals are very different, the training's very different, the fan bases are different, um, but of course there's some overlap. So we talk about all that with respect to events on the track, uh, road running, um, from trails to much longer events beyond the marathon distance. Uh, Ben's seen success in most of those uh, aspects, of, aspects of the sport, so it was, it was neat to get his opinion on all those things, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So put your feet up and have a listen. All right, this month I'm uh, happy to join Ben Bruce on the podcast. Ben? Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we will discuss today, um, well, a little bit about Ben uh, himself, but on a more general topic, um, we're going to discuss the differences between track, road, trail, ultra, uh, you know, those are all sort of different parts of the sport. It's all running. It's all running. <laughs> it is all running. It's very different, though. Um, in some ways, there's some similarities. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Uh, I want to start by allowing you Ben to uh, to talk a little about a little bit about your experiences with um, yeah sort of those four different entities or lack of experience okay whatever it might be well I uh, I started on the track primarily I actually didn't run track in high school I ran cross country and then I would golf in or I would play soccer in the winter because I live in San Diego so soccer was a winter sport because oh, yeah. you can play outside all the time right so if it rained on us it was like oh this is crazy <laughs> um, and then in the spring I would play golf so which was great because I get to play all these San Diego golf courses for yeah. free four or five days a week during the spring um, and then yeah I went uh, into college was definitely a track cross country guy and then as I got older moved into more roads half marathons um, but still kept the steeplechase going on the track and and 5k's 10k's on the track and then um, within that mix in a few trail races I've run the Xterra races the back when I was in Bend Oregon the U.S. champs and then the uh, world champs they do in uh, Hawaii. Hawaii right? So that's my kind of trail experiences. I've done a few like smaller trail races just for fun. That was like a local thing when I was living in Oregon. But um, yeah, no ultras yet. But um, living in Flagstaff, you can't help but see <laughs> a lot of other guys and meet other people doing the ultras. So it is intriguing um, just to sort of follow it. It's it's such a different. Um, 
a different sport as far as like what I like about the ultras is if you look at even like marathoning, even like a slow course to a fast course, the differential's really only going to be a few minutes unless it's like a super gnarly road course that's known for that. But if you look at like a trail ultra or ultra 100 miler, sure. a course to course can be six to eight hour difference, even 10 hour difference for the winner. So yeah. it just becomes such a, you're, you're running 100 miles, some hiking involved there, but some courses are all running, some courses are a lot of hiking. So sure. um, it's always intriguing to be following one of those races on Twitter or something. And, and it's like, I'll take a nap and wake up and oh, they're still <laughs> racing. And then like, I'm watching my kids and it's like, I'll do an update. So right. um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting that I've been through racing miles that take four minutes all right. the way to now following and getting interested in seeing, you know, just following along these races that take sometimes up to 20, 24 hours. So right. yeah, it's, right. it's intriguing. Yeah, so a widespread between those different categories and, and a lot of variability among them, uh, I think is part of what you were pointing to. Um, I think a good place to start is to talk about, I guess, what it takes from a training standpoint and racing standpoint to be successful in those different disciplines. Um, so, for example, uh, you've run the steeple, obviously, on the track in 819. Uh, you've run a half marathon on the road in 62 and change. Um You've also been at the, again, the Trail World Championships, which is 21K. Uh, so in looking for at those three events, what, uh, what are some of the differences you can talk about uh, and maybe some of the similarities in terms of what it takes to get ready for those events? What, how those differ? And then the actual race. Um, specifically, it's nice to compare like a road half marathon yeah. to a trail. Well, for me, I, when I did those trail half marathons, they were really like... <laughs> I was living in Eugene, and uh, a couple of days in Hawaii in December was sort of a nice break. So, yeah, right. Um, I didn't train super specifically for those because um, I do feel at that type of trail distance, if you had, you know, and that course wasn't extremely technical or anything. I mean, it was it had a lot of ups and downs, but not a lot of technical stuff. So, um, for that, it was more just if you're really fit, you you know, you're still going to be able to race sure. pretty well. Um, but I definitely did see the difference the couple years that I was racing there against uh, Max King, Joe Gray were kind of the guys who were, I was racing those years. And they're, they definitely had done a lot more trail running, I could tell, because sure. I could keep up on all the non-technical sections, but I may lose, like, I was always, you know, I might lose 30 seconds on max on, like, a mild descent or something. Sure. And I was like, wow, I mean, I'm out of that happen on these technical trails but um so i think for that type of half marathon road versus half marathon trail getting in really good shape because that is still pretty short for some of these trail races that are run yeah um i definitely think if you went to longer trail racing you definitely have to get more specific with that and um but what's great about it you can do a little bit of each type of training within the training like if you're getting ready for a half marathon on the road i think you can still go do a trail run here or there. It's right. not going to do be all your runs, but on the contrary, if you're getting ready for a super long trail race or even a short trail race, you can't do all your running on the trails because it just sort of beats you up. Um, so you, I mean, I see ultra guys in Flagstaff out on Lake Mary Road knocking out like some two mile reps to sort of work on their speed. So you still have to hit all the different aspects of um, of the running. So, but then if you compare that to running like the steeplechase, um, even though you're jumping stuff, it's so specific to being only a 3,000 meter race. So you know that you're training for for when I was running at my peak. Like I'm like this race is going to be between 8:15 and 8:40. You know, you're right. looking at a 25 second window that you know how long you're going to be sure, right, out there, right. just like pedal to the metal. So um, that was like very more, much more specific on like 
the workouts and the times you're hitting on the paces. So yeah, um, that's probably a big difference. Yeah. On that, so. Yeah. Actually to speak to that, um, some of the NAZ elite crew, uh, with Ben Rosario were out at Western States last year, uh, when, when Jim Walmsley was running and they, they were down at the river about mile 78 to yep. be there and see mm -hmm. him come through. And, um, well, unfortunately jim took having longer a, than yeah, having a tough one. yeah that, at that point yeah and uh i remember i took the bus back up with ben afterwards and we had been down there for i don't know three or four hours and he made this point he was like man it's amazing uh you know for me with the with the naz elite crowd you know they might be you know 30 seconds later than i expect yeah. on you know a mile 12 of <laughs> a race know. right yeah. where here it's it's hours yeah. that can elapse yeah um, and things can when they go downhill you just have so much so much so many miles it's like um sometimes you get used to looking at races as this percentage so it's like if you're three laps into a mile you're like oh you're 75 percent done even if it goes terrible it's 25 you have 25 percent to go yeah right. and, but that's only one lap so sure. if you're 75 miles into a 100 mile race yeah 25 percent to go that's 25 miles so like <laughs> that's right. still like an extremely like solid long run for yes. any of us on a given weekend so yeah. Yeah. um yeah it's it just uh, definitely is like a interest yeah like how someone can just be crushing it and then you know one thing goes and um i mean that's what makes it kind of interesting to see all the different is the the aspects that go into it uh, sure is just so different um and like anything it's just learning what what you can do and what can works and and people taking risk like make make it easier for the next person to take the risk and sure um, so it's kind of cool yeah yeah that is um so when it comes to the sport obviously the the money the media that sort of thing is more on the on the track and road side of things um and and more significantly so so i think those uh performances are what are looked at uh with more scrutiny and and kind of given more um well yeah attention so it's hard to compare performances across disciplines, yeah, uh, so. even within the sport of running, for, for reasons we've mentioned. The, the different events are, are quite different. But um, in your mind, do you, do you, can you look at performances in different sports and kind of say like, oh yeah, the, those in my mind are all like equally impressive? Or do you think that's a difficult thing to do? Yeah, I yeah, speak to that. Maybe. I know what you're saying. Like, I think it's, it's um, the longer a sport has been around and the more good people that have gone to it starts giving it more credit and yeah. i think um if you look at the marathon that distance now it's it's very popular and when the running boom hit in like the 70s people started running more and you see like not only the world record but masses and the the sub elites all these times it started coming down because people were putting in more training and so back when the world record was like 225 it sort of like coming down quickly, quickly, quickly in, because people were still like exploring that, that distance. And I think in the, the ultra world, the troll world right now, we don't really know where that scale is. There's definitely, it's become more popular. There's definitely been people with good track credentials moving to that. Um, and so these records are being broken all over the place. And I think to like really answer that, you'd have to be able to like go like 20 years from now and yeah. see like, did the records keep getting broken or like some of these records are still around and then you sure. can really justify that performance as yes. incredible yeah um right but then the other tricky aspect is like if you have a 70 mile race and one year it's dry conditions and good weather and the next year it's raining and muddy someone could have ran an amazing performance and the yep. time doesn't reflect it so yes. that's that's always hard to to compare and i think that 
with with the charting, there's more races that are now are starting to put up prize money, and and sponsors now are trying starting to put big money into their top athletes if they win these big races. Yeah. So that's, I mean, money's gonna push the sport to another level. Um, I mean, that's just reality. If you have a super long, hard, grueling race and there's no money to be made, you, you can still have good people at it, but you're not going to have the depth in the, when you look at like road races that have raced like Boston Marathon, New York Marathon, they not only have great prize money, but they have appearance money and all this stuff. And that's sure. is starting to happen more and more. And I don't know all of those ins and outs, but I, I, do know that it's now like happening and that's gonna just make things bigger and bigger and now I think races are gonna they're gonna want the big names and they're gonna be willing to pay for it sure. and I think that will just like so it almost almost be interesting to see which of the major ultra races like 10 years from now are bigger and which ones have like kind of not like lost their way but um yeah just some new races might be just like pumping money in and getting all the big people in, and they might become the like marquee events right so right it just remained to be seen but yeah 20 years from now though it still might be western state still might yeah. be the race to go to in sure. the u.s um for a hundred miler right. um, to try to win so maybe but it could be a race that doesn't even exist now that someone makes up and makes it grand and right and big right. so yeah yeah so you'll see um kind of on this note, you'll see in forums or, you know, talk to people who are who are more on the, the track and roadside, you'll hear arguments like, well, look, if you took a 206 marathoner and put them into, I think the argument goes a couple ways, but put them into a longer race like an ultra or put them into a trail race, um, they're coming from a sport that's so competitive uh, that, you know, they're towards the top of the sport the trail and ultra side of things isn't as competitive. So that 206 guy, if he decided, could go over and just start winning everything. Do you think that, um, what do you think about that line of thinking? Do you think it's it's not that easy or that maybe I, there's yeah something to take from that? I think it depends a lot on what they're racing in the course. If you take a 206 guy yeah. and he's running a, a 50K that's on service roads with a few single tracks and not many rocks, sure. he probably will dominated yeah, yeah. but if you take him to uh zegamar in uh spain uh, or something yeah sure and yeah it's a marathon <laughs> but it's super technical downs and yeah. rocky right yes maybe if he's really sure-footed and he's and he's run on that stuff he might but he might find himself in a whole different world of hurt that he's never i mean actually hurt maybe he falls down and sure. he doesn't finish the race so um i would say if you took 10 206 guys and all of them went into or let's not even let's say you took 10 208 210 guys right right immerse them all in i bet you five of them would probably suck just because they're <laughs> so used to running on the roads and the trails is is really bad but sure. maybe if a couple of those guys ran the steeplechase when they were younger or or ran grew up living and running on some gnarly trails maybe they would do well sure. um so i don't think all 10 of them would be successful yeah um because you see stuff, you see these ultra races sometimes won by guys that are just in the winter skiing. But like all of that skiing, all that downhill is, is, is that they did growing up as kids is made them used to being on the mountain. Right. They have right. strong quads for descending because yep. if you descend and you can't get your legs back under you, you're just wrecked. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw that. I mean, the first year I ran Xterra. Right. <laughs> it was funny. I was. I and stayed, what, what year was that? Uh, maybe like own 2009 maybe? okay yeah i just remember like i tried like to the end to try to like hang with max king as long as i could and um 
the next day I was, sta I was staying with Max actually. So my wife Steph and I were staying with Max and his wife and a couple of their friends. We had this little like Airbnb rented. Um, and the day after the race, like I'm walking down to Hanuma Bay to Stonko and I'm walking backwards because my quads are so wrecked. <laughs> and I and I get back to the place and I ask Max, I'm like, are you sore? You gotta be sore. And he goes, and he, he like bends down and like touches his like toe and he's like, hey, my right hamstring's like a little tight. <laughs> But he ran like, you know, eight or 10 miles the next day. I suffered through like 30 minutes and just called it. But sure. like, yeah, I mean, I just hadn't done as much preparation for that. And right. so it's like he, you get used to running on that. So it's a learned skill. Yes. So take a 206, 208 guy, put him in the race right away. I don't think he's successful. Yeah. Give him some time on the trails. Maybe he, he does become one of the best. Sure. Um, but it's not guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, I was I was gonna kind of move into the demands of the different um, the different aspects of the sport again the track versus the road versus um, trail or ultras and do you think that the demands in terms of training and in racing are equal but different or I mean so you take a, a road marathoner you know the the guys and in, in the ladies at the top of the sport you know the amount of work you put in uh, in terms of mileage a week in terms mm -hmm. of getting into the weight room i mean just everything involved d d do you think that to be the best at the marathon the demands are considerably different from being the best on the track or on the trails or yeah i mean if you're looking at a like a 800 meter miler yeah i mean they're they're gonna work definitely hard um they don't need to run t as many miles. So maybe the actual time they're putting in running is less. Right. But they're probably going to be more beneficial from a little more gym work and getting explosive and ballistic work and plyos and all that stuff. So yeah. they'll still put in the time. Sure. Um, and if you compare like a half marathon marathoner to one of the great ultra runners, the miles per week I feel is going to be about the same because, you, yes, common sense would be like, oh, you're going to run a 100-mile race. You should be running like... 300 miles a week but <laughs> right. in fact with running you can't do that if it's right. in cycling swimming you can accumulate more, just lots of time because there's no impact there um but i think with running there's just an upper limit yeah. and yeah you can go put in like a gnarly week and run 150 160 but you i don't really know anyone that can sustain that for very long um so yeah i think that there's similar demands from like a mileage standpoint it just the weeks look so different yeah like a marathoner's week's gonna be fall between 15 and 25 miles a day and a lot of days are going to look very similar and yeah. workouts are going to kind of be fall in like a similar category where someone getting ready for an ultra race it maybe they run less miles monday through friday or however their week is but then they slam saturday, saturday they go saturday. have some huge right, weekend right the guys up here girls up here will go down to sedona and then go to the canyon the next day and right. just do all that and sort of go out and play um but then doesn't mean they're still working hard because then in the winter i know a lot a lot of ultra runners love to go ski and spin sure. and all that stuff and so i think maybe the time on feet might be longer sure but the miles is similar so yep. You have these, you're doing these hard climbs and hard descents and you're beating your body up probably similar aspects, yep. just in different ways. In marathon training, you're like trying to nail like an exact time on a mile where when you're out exploring trails, you're you're just putting the time on the feet and you might hammer a climb and then take it easy coming down or vice right, versa. Right, so, right. But I think in any <laughs> level of running at the top, people are putting in the work. And sure, that's, sure. That's for sure. I mean, if, how you if, get there, if, right? yeah, if there's ultra runners that come along in the next decade that break these records that are being set right now, it doesn't mean that the people now aren't putting in the work. 
it's like anything with a sword. They're also some making people realize like, yeah, this course record, we took 30 minutes off and then we took 10 minutes off it. And then as it gets faster, it's harder to take the time off. Um, yeah. So, right. Yeah. Right. And so when it comes to, if we look at kind of the athletes that have been successful across these different disciplines, um, like we were speaking before, before we got started here today, but guys like Max King, like Patrick Smythe, uh, Joe Gray, Andy Wacker, that have really shown, I mean, these are guys who have been all Americans in college and mm -hmm. who have set, you know, the hundred K American record, uh, in the case of Max, how, I mean, to some degree, there's just not an incentive to do it all, right? Yeah. Like, if you can be the best at yeah. one of those things, then that's sufficient, especially on the track and road. But do you th do you think those guys are extremely unique, or do you think we see so little of that just for the reason I mentioned? I think sometimes in those, it's such, like that's such a great mix of guys because yeah, some of them have gone on gone to like longer races, fifty k, fifty miles, hundred k's, but then like Joe Gray and, and Andy Wacker, like they haven't quite gone as far, but yep. they are definitely, they're the type of guys that like, they'll just up for anything, run whatever race, whatever surface, they'll run a vertical K and they'll run a gnarly 30 K road, like trail race. And then they'll run a half marathon on the roads and still run really fast. So yep. I think all of them possess really good qualities at, at like a half marathon, marathon distance. And then it might just be as simple as like, they wanted to explore you know, like their mind and what they like to do. I mean, I've always right, had a little right. bit of that. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was running of Oregon Track Club in Eugene, there wasn't anyone else on our team that want, like would try to be talking to coaching to go run at Sierra. <laughs> and I would downplay it. I'm like, oh, it's just some trail race. Like yeah, it's a trip. It's, to it's a trip to Hawaii. Like I won't run it very hard. Yeah. But like that to me broke up all the other training so that I could come back refreshed for like the track season. Because if I focus on trying to run the Seaboard Chase like the full year, it was just so much. Of focus on that so yeah i think that i mean those guys are a group that just wanted to kind of explore that and they like to go venture out and, and try new things and um and so yeah i mean they obviously were very good at right before they moved to that at stuff sure but, um, and maybe and i don't know i mean I, don't, I know a lot of them personally pretty well but i also don't know what their reasonings were so yeah I don't want to say, speak that just because they were right on the cusp of, oh, I've run 103 in the half marathon, but I I would like to be running 101 if I want to try to win the national championship. Sure. So they're like, I'll just move on to something else and try to be the best there. Right, um, right. Or if they just wanted to move on because they wanted to move on. And I went, move on is not the right word because they still occasionally come back. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's good for them because I think if you, you go into one thing full-time i think it it hurts you yeah like if you're like right. all right i'm only a marathoner i'm gonna run two or three marathons a year and that's all i'm gonna race i think after you see people do that for year after year they eventually like need a break or they yes. get hurt and yeah. they need to go back to like i'm gonna go run a track season and run the 5k and that usually helps them when they go back yeah to right. marathon and i think same thing with um like ultras is sometimes it's like if you you get so good at them but then if you you can't say no to like a race director and you pile on so many i think jim experienced a little bit of that last year sure he, he had all this great success and he and it was just like it was insane how many of these long races he was running and it just showed that like everyone can kind of just like eventually break down no matter yeah, how good yeah. things are going right. um i've seen that with my wife and road racing she's having a great this was before we had kids i think 2013 she was having this incredible 
year and it's like you're making all this money on the roads and it's hard for me to say don't go to this yeah go to another race go to another race yeah, yeah. and then you go to one too many and race one too many times and then she got like a stress reaction in her femur and it was like it worked out because we decided to have kids and, and that <laughs> right. was a good a good message but um but yeah so there's all that that just goes into it um but it's it's kind of that's why i think mixing it up is yeah is, is fun and, yeah yeah. So do you? Th I wonder. Um, and of course, we're speculating here, but that's fun. Uh, it is fun. I love speculate. <laughs> the old uh, scientific speculation. That's right. The the armchair. We're gonna armchair this. Cool. Um, but my my question is, if you exclude, I don't know, the the men and women at the very top of the track and field and road world, because uh, I assume they'd have no. Um, they wouldn't have a strong enough reason to move on to, to other things uh, or to ex try other things. But as more money gets into the trail side, as more money gets into the ultra side, do you suspect that that competition will come sort of as a result? Like you'll see more guys who are 103, who are 213, 215, whatever, that'll start saying, oh, there's an opportunity here. Maybe that's worth exploring. Maybe. And I think even with you know, even if the money takes a while to get there, I think it's already sort of, it's already happening because right. it's, it's getting a little more public and it's becoming, I think there's more races out there now that are becoming like ultra races versus like completion. Right. And, right. and not that like the, I mean, trust me, anyone getting out there and completing 50 K hundred K races, like, <laughs> I mean, it's a long way to go. Sure. So, but now you're also bringing in this like intense competitive side to it and races that maybe had oh two guys battling now have five guys battling six guys battling it starts to just bring more media and more more interest into it so yeah. i think that could happen regardless um and and that's intriguing because i also feel there are people that just have their bread and butter so some person that's like half marathon or might move up and realize like he he or she was good at running an hour to hour and 10 yeah and running four hours they're not good at it. Just doesn't um, work. Right. And then right. on the opposite side, there's there's some trail racers that I wanna say they get a bad rap, but I think sometimes think, oh well they're doing ultras because they weren't fast enough. But if you think sure. about it the other way, maybe they're doing ultras because that's that's where their skill set is. Yep. Yeah. You know, like Camille Heron, like she's not gonna blast a ten K. Right. But I mean, you run a hundred miles at like she run a hundred miles, so like basically think about that. Like a pretty good guy going on a 25 mile run yeah she's gonna run with four of those guys separately and keep going <laughs> so yeah there's stuff like that that yeah i mean she didn't have this the like inherent speed to run a, a really fast 10k on the track yeah but she can just she's found that she can just keep going right at it's not a slow pace it's yeah. just like a sustained pace that like a lot of people can run for a certain amount of time but can you run that for 100 miles or 50 sure. miles so sure. that's that's what's kind of would be interesting if more of these um, you know, 102, 103 guys or 112, 110 girls moved into that sphere because would they do it? Like, I mean, I don't know if I ratted out my wife. I don't know. I don't think she'd be very good trail racer. I don't see her being <laughs> super great on I don't all, think she'll take all the technicals, yeah. ups and downs. And I mean, we've had, I've had people I've trained with where you go on like a run at, and, you know, on a single track that has no rocks and they manage to fall three times. Like, <laughs> I don't care if they're a 107 girl, they're probably not going to make it on the trail world sure. if they can't get start to finish without falling sure, 10 or 10 sure, or 12 times. Sure. So, um, it's a different realm. Yeah, it is. It is. And so we talked a little bit about the, the demands for, for these different events uh, and how those demands differ. Uh, the obvious transition is from the shorter, faster stuff to the longer 
you know, more burly stuff, so to speak, uh, going off road, going, going longer. How, how difficult just from, from a, yeah, a demand point of view, do you think it would be to do the opposite, to go from a guy or, or a lady who's, who's running 50 miles on the trail, hundred miles on the trail, 50 K, whatever, uh, back yeah, down. Way. Yeah. Like to become well, you I know, think half marathoner or marathoner. What's hard with that question. Like, I don't think many people just wake, like have never run wake yeah, up and decide I'm sure. going to get, go run 50 K or 50 miles or hundred miles. Much smaller pool. So I think, yeah, I mean, most people gradually get there and then they catch the bug. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you ask a lot of people running hundred mile races in the back of their mind, they might not have set out to immediately run a hundred mile race, but they, they did like a, a 30 K trail race and they're like close to them. And then that went to like, Oh, I'm going to do a trail marathon and then I'm gonna do a 50. Yeah. And like, it's the same thing with road racing. You kind of make the steps. So yeah, I think people yeah. usually that end up, they, they just keep moving up. And if they either see success or they see enjoyment that keeps them wanting to move right up. Right. Um, and then I think, so I don't think many people break into that top echelon on like long races without of coming or trying out shorter distances first. Sure. But yeah. And, it, and that's just natural. Yeah. Like, it could, not... But it could, I mean, there are, you know, people that grew up skiing a lot and, and just running on the trails that never really had a desire to run shorter stuff. So I guess that would be the question of like, what can they do coming yeah. back down? And that's just, I think a hard one to answer. Yeah. Um, right. I don't know. The questions get thrown around like with like someone like Killian of like, what could you run in the exactly. marathon? That's and what I like, had in mind. Yeah. He's, yeah, and he hasn't really run these shorter stuff, but and it, it's no telling what he could do. But it's the same thing I was saying earlier about like you take a two hundred eight guy and push him into the ultra. Like right away, probably not. Um, and being around, you know, I I'm around four two twelve marathoners every day, and I've yeah. seen the work they've done specifically for the marathon. Yeah, and I know their track times. And so it's also to think that a guy running these like super long ultra races could just step off of that and run 210 to 11 right away. Like that's also pretty hard. Yes. Um, cause there's so much that goes into it. Cause in, in the marathon, there is a lot about time, but now if you're talking the flattest course and it's 45 degrees out in perfect weather, that's obviously going to help. But if he, that doesn't work a lot, like take someone yeah. like Scott Smith on our team, he ran all, he's run all these great marathons in the 216 to 18 range, but it's, it was in China and it was, it was 80% humidity and sure. 80 degrees and sure. at the world champs and he finished 15th or 16th, the world champs, but the time didn't reflect what he did. And then he ran at the Olympic trials and he, he had a great race and finished just outside the top 10 and he ran like 216 to, or 218 or something that day. And it's but like, in those conditions. and then he finally got in Frankfurt last fall, just a okay day. I mean, it was cool weather, but it was windy. You're right, right. And he, he he wasn't even the best conditions, and he and then he put together the two twelve. Yeah. So there's so much of that to go into Definitely. to it. Um, yeah. So I think that yes, if they if one of the top top ultra guys committed a couple years to the marathon, um, it would be interesting to see what they do. But I don't think you could take them and just go right out because that must because sure. like in ultra in trails you're you're going up. And you're using all these muscles. Yeah. And then you're going down and you're using yeah. a bunch of different muscles. Yeah. But if you're on a super flat marathon course, you're using, you're using the same set of muscles for two plus hours. And right. there's, there's no, and you're running within five seconds a mile, every single mile. And that weirdly enough brings like a whole different aspect of like, you're old, you're just using these same set of muscles over sure. and over again. Sure. So, um, but it's like, will they handle it or not? Maybe, but, um, it's the same thing as the marathon or going to the ultra. Yeah they may handle it they may not so, right right but. yeah you know it would be a uh, interesting case study there is uh 
if you looked at Comrades Marathon in South Africa, right, mm. 87 or 89K, depending on the year, and some of these uh, South Africans who run that, I mean, that's basically, they've not necessarily ever run a road marathon, yeah. but they go out and run under six hours for 55 yep. miles. Yeah, if you took someone like that who has more of that skill set, yeah. you know, that's that's ready, more ready for the... the well, on that race, too, it's long, but it, yeah, it is on the roads, and, I, yeah. and an up and a down year doesn't make a massive difference because, you know, it... It is a net down one year and net up one year. Right. But when you right. spread something out over that many miles on sure. a road without insane climbs like you might see at like UTMB, um, you are, that's like, it's a race where you're running the entire time and within a, a very small window of pace when you, when you compare it to something like an ultra race where you might have a 18 minute mile right. and <laughs> you might have a five minute mile. Sure, so sure. it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a totally different, um, I mean, it's a similar distance, but a right. very different. There you're seeing real variation. Yeah, 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 so. totally. Uh, so we've talked about fan bases, and I've I've mentioned, uh, and I don't think this is up for debate, that the uh, the fan bases in the track and field and, and road world are far exceed, you know, the fan bases in the trail and, and ultra side of things. Um, I'm curious what you think in terms of, so you've expressed interest in, you know, the trail stuff. You've, you, again, raced some trail races. Uh, you, you tend to follow ultra running, I think, probably more than, than a road and track guy. Um, but uh, do you think in the long run, this, I guess, running for the amount of time that people run on the trails and, and, uh, and ultras is interesting enough for it to ever develop a fan base like, you know, the track and in the road i'll say this the the ultra fan base may be smaller but it's they're they're intense and they they're very passionate mm -hmm. um i think when you look at the marathon like everyone loves to like they want to like it because it's the marathon it's like sure kids grow up in the, kids grow up in the u.s running around the mile yeah and that's that's because you had these this great mileing thing that like came up with some of the greats um back in the 50s and 60s that kind of kick-started that yeah. um but you also with the marathon i think have like fans that kind of follow the sport or they maybe follow what happens at new york city or chicago or boston but they don't necessarily know what's going on on these small ones but sure. i feel like the yeah. ultra fan base like there's all these races that like they know what's going on and i would admit to myself like I know quite a few, probably more than the average, like, track runner, road racer, but I still, like, every day, like, hear someone, and I'm like, I'm not sure if that's, like, a well-known one, and it's, like, <laughs> right. it's How a big deal to that? win, yeah. or not, um, but I, I think it's interesting enough to follow, um, I know it's long, but you can still cover that, and I think that's what's, what's great now is, yes, that was hard to cover 20 years ago, sure. but now it's becoming easier to cover because people can be doing their stuff and they can be following it on Twitter and, and knowing when people are, if, if you're at the event, when people are coming in and yep. Yep. Um, seeing just how, like, things at the, like, aid stations at, like, uh, the Havelina um, down in, yep. uh, in outside of Phoenix, Phoenix and yep. it's just people setting up these parties but that's part of what you have to do because it's so much so it's like what we were saying we were saying about ben rosario earlier it's like yeah if we're doing a workout on lake mary road he knows about when we're going to get to certain mile marks but out there like the amount of time people are coming to these aid stations is huge so you yeah. got to set up a good atmosphere um, yeah right and so yeah i think that even though it's a smaller fan base i think you see it with some of the popular trail runners like they have a really like cult following and i think that's cool versus sometimes on the roads it's a big following but sometimes it's uh, maybe not as intense. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that 
and I think it's growing in the ultra world. Um, sure. And I think one limiting factor with it is ultras are they're on trails mostly or like limited areas where you can't you can't have forty thousand people right right in yeah. the race. No I question. mean, unless you had a wave start that went on for forty eight hours, you sure. just can't you can't do it where New York City can do three ways starting over the Verrazano Bridge and have people <laughs> right. on both sides of the bridge, top and bottom, and yeah. like the course that doesn't merge till three miles and all that stuff. Right. So um, that brings the masses into running it, but um, sometimes the people running the marathon necessarily aren't fans of the top. Where yeah. I think more yeah. in the ultra world, like everyone out there has a little bit of a, um interest in what's going on right. up at the front too. Right, right. Uh, and we spoke about kind of that natural progression from the shorter stuff to the longer stuff. So the, the 14 year old kid who wants to be a miler or, you know, 12 year old, whatever, you know, eventually becomes a 5k guy, mm. most likely, unless a lot of times, yeah. yeah, he, he or she is the best. Yep. And again, in a lot of cases that 5k ends up becoming a 10k, you know, if you, exactly. And eventually for those at the top, you get to the marathon at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, and occasionally into, into stuff longer. Do you think is a fan of a, of the sport of, say, a track and field event or road events, is following that longer stuff or that uh, that other event, like, like trail stuff, do you think that it's as natural? Like, as you sort of stay in the sport, you kind of naturally become interested in these other things because you've mentioned I mean, as you get older i don't think happens, i don't think but. for as many people i think a lot of times if you grew up on the track and then you did the roads like marathon it usually kind of becomes the end point sure um but that because other than the i would say like if you're looking at the, the mile and the marathon are like the glamour events like you right. could ask like what's your you run boston or what's your marathon time or what's your mile time and i kind of laugh a lot of times because like, <laughs> i think like if you look at all my prs they're like match up pretty well from everything from like the event above the mile to everything of the event below the marathon <laughs> so it's like well i've run You've a pretty mediocre marking. marathon right. and i've run like a, a decent mile compared sure. but like it's hard to explain like well an 819 steeplechase is actually much better than running sub four minutes in the mile, yep, but yep. you know, you can't compare that. So, right, right. Um, so I think that kind of becomes the end that, um, cause you'll go to the great marathoners in the, in the U S they were probably running the mile in high school. I yep. remember when I, cause, uh, like Ryan Hall is pretty close to age sure. to me. And I remember his senior year of high school, he went out to the state meet California and ran 60 point, 60 point, 60 point, 60 point for the 1600 meters. I ran like 401 or 402. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, at that point, he's a high school kid. So you're like, this guy's a miler. Yeah. Right. But you come to find out, I was like, no, he's an incredible marathon. And then you start hearing stories of like how in high school he was running these 10 mile workouts at close to five minute pace, like in big bear as a high school kid. <laughs> God, and it's just, nuts. you're like, well, duh, man. Yeah. Riding was on the wall. Yeah. Like, sure. It took even through college. It's like, yeah, he ran 13 teens in the, in the 5k in yeah. college, yeah. which is incredible, but it showed that's incredible. And it's in its own, but it also showed like that was what he was doing off having such an aerobic yes. machine to run a two Oh six, you know, well, 204 at Boston the year they had the, the nice tailwind, but, you know, he's run a legitimate 206 marathon, yeah. which is, um, you know, world class. Yes. So. Yeah, by all means, by all means. Uh, so going back to the fan bases, you you mentioned something that I thought worth uh, exploring a little more, but the, well, so NAZ Elite in particular definitely tries to reach out to its fan base to be transparent with its fan base. Um but like you said, it seems like on the track and road, those connections maybe aren't as 
uh, strong, I guess, for lack of a better word, is what you might see in the trail would, and ultra. I would world. say they're. That's right. I would say they're they're strong. It, yeah. I just think that there's slight slight differences in, um, and maybe it's part like when you're at a trail race like everyone's kind of there for the entirety. And sometimes at road races, there's a half marathon and a marathon going on and some of the half marathoners finish and leave and they don't even stick around. Sure, but, sure. And, um, and not every ultra finisher finishes sticks around, but when you see the atmosphere of like UTMB, it's like this, every finish of every race, the, the whole town is just, there's people everywhere. And yeah. I think that's that. I mean, I think with any of the elite and, and everyone on our team and we have a lot of interactions and I think that is it, you know, a great testament that we have been sharing things in there that people like are starving for that like they want to see what's going on and they want a little inside scoop into things sure. um and that's not everyone's cup of tea i mean not not you know some groups don't like to share the details but right. we we do and we i think we have great interactions and i think the bottom line is if you are approachable from fans then you'll have great interactions with fans so yeah. i think it does also rely on the person of the group too for for that type of yeah. fan base so and so i guess do you do you see the the road running and, and track culture as more uh i don't want to say secretive but the the guys and and women at the top and the top coaches have more reason to withhold more information than maybe on the trail and ultra side of things I like could, just from a i guess i could standpoint. see some people's reasoning for hiding stuff but yeah. i always believe in this like if i share my training with you unless every single tiny tiny details is there and yeah. you, you listen to every detail yeah. it doesn't really matter because what like for one example we we live at seven thousand feet if people never train at altitude or they don't know about altitude they might see a workout and be like oh how bad is altitude mm -hmm, um but mm -hmm. it, it's also shown time and time again when um you know like kellen and steph getting ready for new york last year they're running 550 pace for workouts at lake mary yeah and then they go and run 535 540s uh, you know i guess they ended up 543 average in new york but new york's also like a tough course sure so sure. they run several you know 10 seconds or so faster per mile on a tough you know not an easy marathon course on not a super day um and so like those things showed, but so it's like if I share my training, it's like, how do you convert that if you're living in, in LA Absolutely uh, running right. runs on the beach or you're doing your runs on hilly terrain? So sure. I know when I, like another example of that, like in college where I went to college, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, we ran up in the hills and cow pastures and up on railroad tracks. So our long runs, maybe a like a 15 mile long run takes us hour 45 in college, seven minute pace roughly. But then our rival school, Santa Barbara, they're doing a lot of their long runs on like the bluffs or these flat bike paths by the beach. And it's still a long run, still training, but their long runs might, might've been 10 minutes faster over 15 Yeah, minutes. sure, right. Similar training. So it's like, if we went out and tried to run 620 pace on our runs, we'd probably run ourselves into the ground. So right. unless every single detail is put out there, I don't see a problem of sharing some stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you said I did 10 times 467, I mean, does, did I take a minute rest? Did I take four minutes rest? I mean, there's, and what did I do the day before? Yeah. Did I, did I have an off day, day and what did I do the day after? So, right. um, yeah, it's, and, and like I said, if, if people don't want to share it, they don't, I mean, there's, everyone has a story they can share. Yeah. Whatever, you know, they, yeah. um, some runners don't share anything in their workouts, but people love to follow them because they think their dog's cute or something. I mean, every, but, and then the, from the fan base side too, because some people yeah. like, mm -hmm. oh, this person always posts about their cat. And some are like, I love them posting about <laughs> the cat. So I think you just have to kind of, Put out what you want, and the fans that like what you do will like you, and, sure. and that's what. There's a lot of characters and personalities to go around, so yeah, um, it's fine.
<laughs> that is fun. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Uh, I was recently told while I was on a podcast um, by, by the host that their opinion was, well, they, they've begun uh, interviewing more ultra runners than they intended when they started the podcast. It's mm. more of a, we're just going to interview runners. So they do. Yeah. Track guys, road guys, whatever. And they said they, they naturally just began to interview more ultra runners because they found that the personalities were more interesting. Yeah. Um, so it seems it seems wrong to just make that generalized claim. But I guess my question to you would be, um, in kind of having a foot in both worlds to some degree, uh, do you do you think that's necessarily the case, or do you think that uh, yeah, road marathoners are just more focused, and so they're not going to sort of yeah be let as much out? I don't know. Yeah, if you, I think that sometimes. If you're running a lot of, I don't know, I, I don't know the answer to that fully, yeah, sure, but sure. I think that to your point, I do think if you if you group things in a like classify people as a group, I would say if you took a bunch of ultra runners, there is going to be a more some more personality and like interesting thoughts because I think sometimes they're still ex- exploring some training and sure. and one person training is going to look super different and some of the stuff they do is is totally gnarly or not traditional. Um, and someone's like like Rivers, Thomas Rivers who lives in town. Like last year before Boston, he finished 16th, which was like no one would have picked him to finish 16th. <laughs> but he was running down Snowball like the weeks before Boston Marathon, just like all this crazy downhill. Right, so like 2,000 like, yeah, feet of descent. We want to yeah. do, because Kellen and Scott, or um, yeah, Kellen and Scott getting ready for Boston right now, they're doing a lot of downhill, but to but it's to like a a plan. Yeah. Um, like, a, like a meticulous plan. So I don't know if sometimes that meticulous plan goes off on the personality but i think also sometimes people maybe have these personalities but they like bury them because they're trying to like because sometimes you go to a track race and they're like here's the pace they're going to run this exact pace for this amount of laps and then they're going to step off so everyone kind of goes into like robot mode to try to run fast yeah that makes sense where then like an ultra race is like well you got this guy that's training in the alps and you got this guy that's training no one really knows what's going on and the race goes off and it's like someone might go out and run five minutes the first mile of a 50 miler and but then it might go out and everyone's kind of jogging and seeing who's who's going to take the lead so i think that leads to a little more um personality in it um and i think the atmosphere of it that you see these ultra races and the night before they're doing like a beer mile i mean not (laughs) not okay to be not necessarily the people that are competing in it but some people that are competing in it and or like yeah so i think it's a little like the culture makes it a little more okay to be out there yeah um where sometimes like yeah like you go to these like i mean i have i've run diamond leagues where it's like you're in a call room 25 minutes before the race and it's like they're just locked you in here and it's like you're in this room and you can't leave and right. then it's like okay you're on the track and we're on a tv schedule and uh-huh. like sometimes you get on the track and you have you're they're like oh well we have a delay so you're here for 10 minutes and sometimes you're on the track and they're lining you up and they're like go and it's like so all this you're like being corralled around sure um so I think that can be lead a little bit to the culture, and I think you look at when people are watching big track meets on TV or the Olympics, everyone it just assumes that these they're like almost watching robots, where like they do have <laughs> no, those people do have nerves, and they might have been super nervous before the racers. They have lives that that go on, but it kind of gets it's been played over That's the years, and it's like oh, they have like no emotions and no feelings, and they go out there. But I mean, there is a lot lot in there behind um, all that behind right, all that. Right. So. But I think that there's still a lot of great track personalities out there. But I yeah. think sometimes it can be 
limited. And yeah. I think, I think when you mentioned about the culture, it could be big. Because I, I know there's been stories where some sponsors of track athletes have, like, even almost tried to curb people's, I think, natural personalities. Yeah. Like, someone makes a, a funny video throwing snowballs with their friend and the company's like well you know that's not really like the, that's not the message we want. life we want putting out yeah. there but if that's that person's personality they're probably going to run better by making those dumb videos and being <laughs> happy yes right. of course and they got hurt making some stupid video yeah everyone yeah, yeah, would yeah. feel terrible but <laughs> right. i think if you limit someone too much in, yeah. in their own life and they're not happy they're they're not going to race well anyway so yeah um yeah. You uh you mentioned something uh, I think w worth going back to with respect to uh yeah, to Tommy Rivers who who finished 16th at, at Boston. Uh I guess it was last year. It was, it was last year. Yeah. Um and you mentioned some how his training was maybe not um traditional. Traditional. Yeah. So, uh here's a question with respect to ultras, I think there's a lot of just unexplored territory, so mm -hmm. you don't have, you know, these these I guess pretty specific like formulas to yeah. get to the result you want do you think uh do you think in the road and track side of things specifically the marathon and the marquee events that the the training methods have been tried and true to the extent that there there's really there's not going to be any we're not going to see any more variation in that sort of training i think there's like certain variations that people go with you know and there still are different ones yeah. but yeah it's been tr like tried and tried and tried and in the and i think it it does help, but that's that's a great example of it. it, it yeah. Me, yeah. And will the ultra world ever have tried and tested things? Maybe not, because it seems like people at this point have been able to be successful doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Some people ski the whole winter, and they barely run because right. they love to do that, yeah. and they live in a place that, that you can do that. Sure. Um, and, yeah, I mean, have we seen a lot of success of ultras generally training at altitude? Yeah, but there are still some good ones that don't train at altitude Definitely. and um so yeah i think that almost your point about the eclectic mix that yeah. because there's more exploring going on it's sort of like yeah i just did this and it worked it didn't work um but then it's like when you you get into these having these exact splits and and i think um you know talking with coach ben rosario like how we sometimes can get too much into that so sure. for like a great example of you know the workout the team did today was uh we kind of went back to like a different, it was like a newer workout that was, wasn't exact and had like the first tempo was downhill where we didn't know what, what to run. Sure. Uh, it was kind of like an estimate. Yeah. And I think that's so much more in, in the ultra right now of like Definitely. an estimate of like, I'm going to go run for three hours and try to get, you know, 10,000 feet of vert or something right. and just right. go up and down or I'm going to just go run 20 miles on a road straight out and just see how fast I can do it yep. and, and kind of mix it up. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you see more of that as you add variables, right? Yeah. Like you would, you would almost never see that in the case of a, yeah. I don't know, a hundred meter track runner, right? Right. Like it, yeah, nothing yeah. of that nature. But as you get further and further away, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you can almost be more successful at the longer races with different types of training because when it comes down to racing. Those super long races, the person that could be in the best shape and the most ready, like if their stomach turns on them. And exactly. they can't eat. Yeah, they can't get to the finish line. Right. So, right. Um, and that can happen in the marathon. Sure. Some. Sure. Yeah. To an extent. Um, but then, even like at the half marathon, it's almost. I mean, yeah, you can get a cramp, but like from a fueling standpoint, Not for the top issue. athletes, like yeah. unless it's super hot, or super humid, you don't really need to fuel during the race of a half exactly. marathon. Exactly. Like if it's yeah. fifty-five degrees out and I'm running half marathon, 
I won't take anything. Else. Right. I mean, right. I may grab a cup of water and throw it in my face if sure. I'm hot. But if, yeah, yeah it, you just don't need it. Yeah. Um, but when you, yeah. So there's a lot more that goes into it. But yeah. because of that, almost like a lot, in a way, like less thinking. It's like we talked we talk about earlier, like the hard work. I mean, everyone's working hard at all yeah. the different disciplines. But um, it's almost because you know how unpredictable. It's like the longer the race you go, the more unpredictable it is. So yeah. almost is like, well, you might as well make the training more unpredictable, unpredictable. too. Yeah. That's a good point. So, yeah, you're just mirroring. If like, you're running yeah, a mile actually. on the track, you know exactly. So you're going like, what's going to do eight quarters yeah. at mile pace of a minute rest, and this is going to be a great workout. But in a long race, like, well, you could be in great shape, and things could go terribly wrong. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Or you'll be depleted towards the end, so you yep. should not eat for yep. 20 hours and go run yep. and training. The eight yeah. mile, the seven minute mile at the beginning that felt super easy. You yep. would pay $100 to do one of those at the end and <laughs> right. running 930. Right. And That's just right. Pain, yeah. So. Um, so it was recently announced, I think we'll we'll f wrap up here, recently announced that you, you will be joining the, the ranks of Coach Ben. Uh, there will be a second coach, Ben. Yeah, that was part I, of the prerequisite. Ben. <laughs> so you have to be a Ben. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, I'm curious, uh, given the, the topics we're covering today, if uh, as a coach, and I know you have experience previously, not you know outside of NAZ Elite, uh, but wait, is that true? You've done some coaching. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, a lot you, of, you it's kind of, your kind of like my running. I've coached like super lots of different levels. Yeah, yeah, that. okay, that's what yeah. I know. So. I thought. Um, do you think you're in a position, given the, the the different events that you've competed in, given some of your interests, like being intrigued by the ultra uh, world, do you think you're in a better position as a coach to kind of use all those data points and as a result maybe have a little bit different um, type of training than is traditional or than uh, you might expect from just, yeah, the hard line, like, track coach and that's all he's ever done do you think that's beneficial like where do you see that playing in yeah i think two two things i mean i've i've had some really good coaches in my own career at different levels um my junior college coach manny batista was um he not only coached us but he taught us about coaching yeah um, and then when i went to cal poly mark conover he's 1988 olympic trials marathon champ he was kind of like an old school like you train, you get fit. Don't worry about the specifics. I mean, that's he had, so, he had so workouts 80s. that he did um, that we did every year. Uh -huh. that you almost could predict what we were going to do. Sure. And I saw how that could work. I saw that how that didn't work for some people. Mm -hmm. And then I went to mm -hmm. Eugene and was with Mark Rowland. And he came from such a great track background. He was a bronze medalist in the steeplechase, I think, in Seoul. And so I got to see this great steeplechaser who who joked that he didn't even like to coach the steeplechase he preferred, <laughs> preferred to call the mile he actually said the steeplechase is a dumb event he doesn't know why he ran it interesting for a medalist to say yeah, that um, yeah, and then is. coming here and being coached by ben rosario and, and he came from like a you know hansen's type of background sure very marathon based so i've, I've seen like a coach training world-class 800 meter runners and then to come here and see the success in the marathon and um and like kind of everything in between um so i think that has helped and then also like my own coaching experience like when i graduated cal poly um i stuck around for a few years and was a grad assistant and my primary role was to coach the steeplers because mark conover doesn't know didn't know much about the event so <laughs> sure. so he did all the workouts and wrote all the workouts but i focus on you know working on their techniques and we're in the the breaking down of how to run a good race in the steeplechase so right so yeah i mean i'm excited to go into this role and i've already been in the role for you know this year um as assistant coach of the naz group group uh, crew and um 
it's kind of like a good stepping stone for me because I'm 35 and it's like father time eventually catches up to everyone. Um, I still feel like I have years of my own career left, um, but it's a great way to transition into like something that I know I'd probably eventually go into. Um, and it's a good mix because I'm, you know, Ben does calls all the shots, but it, I can give him a outside perspective and, and he can call me versus having to probably talk his wife's ear off about training she might not want to hear about. Jen loves talking about yeah, running all yeah. the time. Yeah, so, and I see that the amount of times we have talks now probably makes me realize more how much he probably ran stuff by Jen. And um, <laughs> But yeah, it's exciting because I also have, I mean, such an investment in all these guys and girls. Certainly, the team. I mean, certainly. It's my wife and guys that I, I've already trained with for all these years and yeah. I will train with again. Right. And these incredible women, like, and then there's also this transition where someone like Alephine and Footsum who are newer to the team, um, they come in and it's like, they know me as a coach from the beginning kind of. Right. So I think it'll be exciting with the new people coming in that it'll, they'll come in and they'll be like, oh, there's two Yeah, that beds. dynamic's yeah, there. The dynamic's yeah. there. But yeah. I still feel like, that mutual respect with the other guys on the team that I've trained with. It's like, I think they can understand that, like, I know what they're going through. Same as Coach Ben. I mean, he's run great races in his own career, too. So it's like, we're not, we come from a standpoint of, of athletes, but we also love the coaching aspect of it. So, sure. yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting for, for me to to be going into this and um i mean i guess if you have two toddlers why not bring more <laughs> stuff into your life that's i think that's generally how people two toddlers do stuff. yeah it's and, not enough um, it's not enough yeah so um i'm kind of the i'm kind of the player coach for right and right. the elite and um, well, what do we say the, the babe ruth of uh yeah yeah the babe so, ruth of the running scene yeah so hopefully i can get some more home runs left <laughs> although i don't i always believe in base hit score runs versus hitting home runs you know time, i just so. read that quote uh yeah. when i was uh, doing a little research ahead of time that's a, good, that's a good quote. Yeah, it's kind of made it up myself. I mean, I'm sure someone said that. Some, yeah, right. It's basically for people, I, I kind of go by the the process that, like, you know, you don't, not every workout has to be a home run. Yep. And because in baseball, like, base hits get you on base and yep. base hits score runs and runs win games. So I kind of, like, take that process into my own running and into coaching that, you know, nailing one big workout's great, but hitting eight or nine out of ten on a medium high level is is good yeah and right. having a bad one here and there um yep. versus like the up and down up and down so if you always swing for the fences um you don't always hit home runs. that's right that's not right. To, not to not i mean i've taken my swings sure sure in sure. my races and i failed but um but i think in the training you have to keep that level head and i think right. that will transfer over to coaching because it can be um it's consistent you have to be consistent yeah you have to be the consistency for the athlete right because right. if you get too over emotional one way or the other i mean good or bad if they have a great workout and you get so over the top like that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then they take almost an overconfidence into a race. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you got to sort of pick them off the ground when, when things are going bad and, and everything in between. So Of course. Yeah. 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 But There's it's a... good fun. So I'm looking forward to it and we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, well, I've been here with Ben Bruce uh, chatting about the differences between the track, road, uh, trail, and ultra scenes. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Ben, thanks for joining me. Yeah. We'll see you next time. High fives. All right. I'm out. End. We should end every one that way. Yeah, we could do it. Yeah, yeah, and then like, like some chatter, chatter after, yeah. and then, <laughs> and then, and then, then the editing just cut. Yeah, like yeah. slow thing. <laughs> and maybe some papers, like uh, in the newsroom. <laughs>